Hi guys. You know, uh, if you're visiting for the first time, you know this is uh, a new, a just momentous season in in the church. Uh, Felicity and I, um, you know, we're stepping we're stepping down. We're retiring uh, next weekend, and so uh, we, last week we had a wonderful time just um, introducing our, our new uh, senior pastor designate. Mark Helvagian, if you haven't, weren't here or if you didn't see the video, it's online, it's just tremendous. So it's very exciting, but it's also a bit emotional, and I kind of alluded to that last week. And so I wanted us to do this, this, series, this series called The Legacy, and what I intended to do was to just sort of remind you of the things that I consider, we consider most important, but... I found it really difficult to concentrate at the moment. I'm sort of, uh, we're kind of all over the place. So this might not come out in quite the slick way that I thought it might. Uh, and Felicity and I are dreaming lots, aren't we? I mean, I dreamt last night I came to the party and there was no food and I had to go down to Papa John's and order 17,000 pizzas and they looked at me a bit aghast, you know. Uh, it's just sort of, you know, obviously all sorts of anxieties and stuff. I'm a mess. Okay, right, that's it. Let's pray. Let's get into the Word. That's the safe place to be. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you to you for the gift of your Word. Lord, uh, Trace then said that Word that's existed for millions and thousands and of years, and of course that's absolutely true, Lord God. You are the living Word, and you, you, you had no beginning, and you will have no end. You always are. And so, Lord God, as we consider your word now, I pray, Lord God, that, Holy Spirit, you will make up my deficiency, uh, my weakness, and that, Lord God, you will go straight to the heart of the matter for every single one of us, that you, Lord God, would apply this word in some way to each one of us, that Jesus, our Savior, the one whom we love and adore, might be lifted up and glorified. We ask it in his holy name. Amen. Okay, so uh, this talk, this uh, this is the legacy series, but this talk is going to be called The Mustard Seed. And uh, I, I just wanted to start by saying, you know, when we first started the church, we were excited. You know, it was about this time, 30 years ago, we were meeting up near Waitrose. We rented a house in Antonine Gate. I was painting and decorating to feed the family, and Felicity was working in a local nursery. And there was just the six of us and the hamster. And... Um, and and yet we met for that first meeting, and the first vineyard meeting was on the, around about the 1st of September, I don't know the exact date. But it was a shock to the system because in, in many ways it was the culmination of, of years of walking with Jesus to get to this point. So it was tremendously exciting. But also it was a shock because up until that point, and we, hadn't, we, we didn't anticipate this sense of shock, where we, we had been in large churches the very first church that Fliss and myself committed to when we started our training was uh, in an inner city area of Leeds, very run down, lots of problems, very, very tough area. Uh, and, and yet for a church in that kind of situation, it was a large church. There were about, 100, about 120 people, weren't there, something like that. Now that may or may not sound like a large church to you, but in the inner city, that is a large church. It really is. And so we, we, that was norm, normal for us. And then, of course, we went off for three years theological training and all sorts of things happened. Then we came back into another church in Leeds, in inner city Leeds. And there was, again, this was like a mega church in the inner city. There were about 160, 170 people. 
Then we went down to St. Andrew's Chorley Wood, which had, I don't know, seven or 800 people served on the staff there. And then we finally went over across to the mother church of the vineyard, which was at Anaheim then. In fact, uh, yeah, well then. And there were about four and a half thousand people. So we'd always been in big crowds of people. Our, fr- our kids had always been in groups, had lots of friends. And, you know, you, you had all the support and the structure and the, the stuff around you, the buzz, the energy, that kind of, you come in and you think something's happening. And suddenly we were meeting in the lounge of our rented house in Antonine Gate, and there was just, just the six of us. And the kids couldn't sit still. And that was it. And it was a shock. And I think we, we profoundly missed the support of other Christians. And if ever, if ever we personally began to appreciate this wonderful faith community that God has created called the church, it was in those times. We were desperate for fellowship. We had good worship, you know, we, we, we could listen to tapes, we could, all this kind of stuff, we could read the word, but we were desperate for fellowship. I'm very grateful when, when people started to come along. You know, they needed us, but we needed them too. Now, I, I say all that because I want to use this imagery of the mustard seed, we're going to read the little story in just a moment, as a kind of, um, you know, an analogy or something like that. Uh, that you know, sometimes we have to go really small to get big, and and that's sort of what happened here. So let's look at the first piece of scripture. I'm going to read three or four pieces of scripture during the course of this talk. I'm not going to unpack any of them at great depth, but by just by way of keeping us on track, waypoints, if you like. So the first one then would be Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 32, and let's just read that. It'll come up on the screen. And, um, of course, you can use your smart devices. And as I said last week, uh, if you haven't got a Bible, if you haven't got a modern Bible, please just go to the welcome desk. We'd love to give you one. And lots of people went for one last week, apparently. There you go. So Jesus is preaching. He's telling us about his favorite subject. And his favorite subject is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. And basically what that means is Jesus has an agenda. He's not just coming around to do a few miracles, a few healings, tell a good stories, have a bit of a laugh, then go to the cross and die for our sins. He's actually coming in to, to, to demonstrate, to model, to give people a glimpse of what God's reign and rule is like. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is all about God's reign and rule. And that's, what, that's his agenda. God wants to bring back into this world, into the, he wants to restore the order that was there once that has been destroyed by sin, And he wants to reinstate this kingdom of God. So he says, he's giving a little illustration here. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. It's the smallest of things, But if it prospers, then it becomes a plant, a big plant, a healthy plant, a bush, a shrub, a tree, and ends up being a a crucial part of the kind of landscape. In India, and we've been there many times, in fact, Pastor Simon and his wife may well be here next week, we've been up to the tea plantations high in the Nilgiri Hills, and typically there's these low kind of tea bushes, you'll have seen pictures of them, all sort of carefully manicured. because you pick the top two leaves, you know, PG tips and all that. 
but the field is punctuated by mustard trees. And they are huge, great tall things with, with great sort of leaf spread, and they are shade trees. They also support the ecosystem that helps the, the, the tea bushes prosper. You know, when they come at a flower, they provide the insects and all sorts. So they are an absolutely crucial part of the landscape. And it's very picturesque, fields with these tea, these tea tree, these mustard seed trees. So, you know, that's the kind of imagery. Uh, and something very small becoming something big. Well, we really felt like a mustard seed. We felt the smallest of the small. And no sooner had we arrived, and actually, to be perfectly honest with you, without, without uh, embarrassing my brothers in this city, this city we, we had a pretty hostile reception. I don't know what they thought we were gonna do, but I've told you stories on other occasions, there isn't time now, but we had a pretty hostile reception from other churches in this city. It took time to win them over. And you know how we did that? We did that through prayer, through believing the best, and, and through serving them. We served the city, we served the churches in this city. We were the go-to and gophers of this city for about five, six years. And, um, and so anything that any other church needed, time, energy, and money, we did our level best to meet that need. And, and so through serving, we found a place. We found a place in this city. But it was tough. We felt very hard pushed. But in, 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 the, in the very sort of, it's not explicit in this parable, but there is a fundamental and absolutely crucial kingdom truth in this. And that is, for a seed to grow, it's got to germinate. You know, if you've ever, I, I, start, I, bought, I rented an allotment a year ago. I've done nothing on it except eat some raspberries. <laughs> Went up there and ate some raspberries. But as any person who's a gardener and growing from seed will tell you, these, these things have to be planted and some germinate and some don't. Some are just duff. But the ones that do germinate, they are split open. They, they die, and, and they give up their life. They die in order to give up their life and see that the next generation is birthed well. And so in this is Jesus, one of other, Jesus' other themes, and that's that in order to, to, you know, to have this life, there has to be death. It's a kind of spiritual dynamic. You know, this is a year of new beginnings. You know, I, I said at the beginning of this year, we don't want to get all retrospective and sort of wallow in the, you know, the stories of the last 30 odd years. Uh, this is a year of new beginnings, and so it is. In fact, next week when you come in, you should see that they've started on the, on the, the ironwork, the stairs and stuff and phase uh, the final phase next door, which is terribly exciting. I mean, we've just let that be bubbling on the back burner, and actually somebody gave us £60,000 about three weeks ago uh, to add to our fund. It's, it's growing slowly, and so work there is starting. So, you know, that's all very exciting. This year is a year of new beginnings, but it, in order to have a new beginning, a really deep, profound, healthy new beginning, there has to be a death, or as I put it here, a necessary ending. A new beginning and a necessary ending. So it is necessary for Felicity and myself to take one step to one side. Now I used this illustration last week, but it is necessary 
for you mums and dads to let go of your kids at some point. And yes, you'll, sometimes you know, you'll be thrilled to just see the back of them, they've been such a pain. You know, Get out the door, you know. My mum threw me out when I was 16. That was, we, we were, we did reconcile, I hasten to add, but it was pretty crazy in my family. But, um, but you know, other times, you know, uh, you don't want to get to go. I remember when our daughter Jessie went to live in America nearly 20 years ago, and she'll be here next weekend. You know, it nearly killed Flissy and myself, didn't it, to, to see a goat, to take her to the airport, knowing that this wasn't a, you know, 10 days in Ibiza or, or down to the Costa del Sol or wherever young people go to these days. This was like she was going. She was leaving. And I remember on, on, on one occasion, we, we took her, she went down the departure thing, this was with her elder sister, Noelle, Went down the, we went to the very limit of the gate that we could go, you know, that place is security thing, and then if you've got a booking, uh, you know, a boarding pass, you can carry on. She went down there, and she, she went left when she should have gone right, and so she's only been 25 feet away from us, and she's gone the wrong way. <laughs> and you think, oh, And then, you know, about, sure enough, about, about 10, 12 seconds later, this rather sheepish little girl goes, <laughs> <laughs> You know, really think, oh my God. But you have to let them go. If they're gonna prosper, if they're gonna grow, just like we're having to let go of this, if this church is gonna prosper beyond what we've been uh, capable of doing, we've gotta let go. Thank God we can still be part, but we have to let go of this kind of thing. You know, every new beginning has a necessary ending. Now this, I'm laboring this point a little bit because to be absolutely honest with you, there is a gospel that is creeping into the Western world which is really, in my view, subversive. Actually, funnily enough, I've been thinking about this for a few weeks. I actually mentioned it uh, uh, sort of in a passing in a sermon. But there was an article I read this week talking about the gospel of America, they called it. The gospel of America. Uh, now, you know, I'm not knocking Americans, we love Americans. My daughter's now an American citizen. But the Gospel of America says this, dream big, dream big. Push on through, don't let anyone trample on your dreams. Push on through, and push on through till you win the prize. This is the Gospel of America, don't give up. Live the American dream. You know, get healed up, get what you need done, get sorted out, you know, be assertive, be communicative, you know, be confident, you know, be good looking, you know, have nice teeth, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, and, and you know, and bet, you know, just go for it, live it. This is, and the American dream, you know, great, has become the gospel dream of America. And, and we've started taking that on. And what I mean by that is, people come to church to get their needs met. Our staff sometimes get a hard time because somebody, somebody's needs haven't been met. Well, uh, I guess that goes with the job. Our dear parking guys, and please just thank them when you leave today, you know? You know, sadly, you know, they're not paid to do that. They're bank managers, they're businessmen, they're, you know, they're painters, decorators, candlestick makers, all the rest of it. You know, they will tell you that frequently people are rude to them. These people, us, we, are rude to them. 
because we're, they tell us to park where they don't want to park. I want to go through there. And then sometimes they'll just drive through. That's the spirit of the age coming through. I want it, I want it my way, and I want it now. Church, we've got to be careful. That's what we live in, we know all about that. But we've got to be careful. Let's remember that this is not the gospel of the kingdom. This is the gospel of the world. Let's not buy into that. So, every new beginning has a necessary ending. Jesus said, you will have trouble in this world. Now maybe you've been going through a very tough time. Maybe it's just been one thing after another. And you look at all these bright, shiny Christians, or that's how you judge us, as bright, shiny Christians, and you think, I gotta be doing this wrong. Either I'm doing this Christian thing wrong, or they're just a bunch of nutters, because I'm finding life tough. Well, here's the news. Felicity and I have always found life tough. Anybody want to agree with me? Saying amen on that? It's how you deal with the tough. Do you start feeling, you know, if you, if you look too much at the, the news and the, 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 the gospel of, of America, then you will feel that you're doing something wrong or you're not getting your rights or something like that. But the gospel of the kingdom is actually upside down. It's only by dying to self. It's only by serving. It's only about willing to be inconvenienced. And oh my gosh, that is core to the gospel, the spirit of the age. Where we don't want to be inconvenienced and it's all about choice, my choice, my choice. I've got to be true to myself, my choice. I don't want to be inconvenienced. That's the language of the gospel of this age. But the gospel of the kingdom realizes that as Jesus said, I've come as a servant, not as a Lord, do as I do. This is a crucial gospel difference. Uh, Jesus even says in, in John chapter 12, verses 23, 24, it'll come up on the screen. He said, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. This is so you think, wow, that's good. What, jazz bands and parades and ticker tape? No, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, there it is, this principle of death giving birth to life, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. So fortunately, when Fliss and myself and the kids started this church 30 years ago in our lounge, in our rented house, even though it was tough, even though you know, we were missing people like crazy, even though it was a struggle to put bread on the table, we realized it wasn't just life, it wasn't just bad luck, it wasn't just stuff happening to us, it wasn't just, oh, we've got it bad and they've got it good. It was actually us surrendering, giving ourselves over in order that we might die, that we may ultimately live. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not enthusiastically. Watch yourselves in the days to come when you, find, when you start feeling entitled and hard done by. Whoa, whoa, that can creep in when you feel entitled, but hard done by. It is tough, 
And if you're not hearing that from this platform, we're not doing our job, or you're just going, na, 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 na. You gotta hear it, guys, you gotta hear it. Okay, moving quickly on. So, uh, let's just uh, move straight on to that little image, please, Matt, of the, uh, the seedling. When it dies, when a seed dies, the first thing that pretty well every plant or tree to be produces is this, something that looks like this. Just below the surface that we can't see is a split open seed, a seed that has swelled and split, end of the seed. But out of it comes this thing, two little paddle leaves. And I love that picture, it looks like it's praise, you know. You know, couple of little, little tender things like that, soaking up the sun, bathing in the light, sucking up every ounce of moisture, and that's the beginning of mighty oaks. Do you know an oak tree when it's fully, uh, you know, f in, in, you know, fully matured can suck up 50 gallons of water a day? And what you see above is what there is below. That bigger tree is what's below, because it sends out, you know, normally when you see the roots of an oak tree, it's because it's been blown over in a gale, and you just get that great big thing and lots of things. But there are lots of little tendrils that go off that, little hairy tendrils, and they will go, you know, 100 feet. It's huge. Like Mark reminded us last week, you know, we can only build high if we build deep, you know? And so, with death comes this explosion of new life, a new beginning. It's God's cycle of life. He created it, it was his idea. So this seedling grows and two little paddle leaves come up. And then glorious things start to happen. Let's just look at that Matthew 13 passage again, please, Matt. Just throw that up for me. He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Now Felicity and I had this, uh, th this recurring imagery at that time, passages like this and many others, but this was particularly as I was walking around Verilamian Park and I used to pray around Verilamian Park every day then because we'd lived just across the road from it. You know, I had this, this, I looked at all the trees and you know, the cycle of the seasons, many years I walked around that lake and, and I could see this cycle of life happening. And this imagery of the mustard seed became very, very strong for me. Because you know, that little, those little paddle leaves start up and then it begins to grow and then it begins strength and all the rest of it. And the first thing that'll happen is it'll begin to su support a little bit of life. What do I mean by that? Well, you know, uh, not only in supporting its own life, but it'll, there'll be a few caterpillars that come along maybe and nibble at its leaves, probably not very welcome, but, but you know, a little bit of life happens. But what do we see here? Jesus says that this mustard seed becomes a tree, think of the tea plantations, and it supports not just it doesn't just give shade, but there's a lot happening as we hear from our, our ecologists and environmentalists, you know, in a, in a good full-grown tree, you've got 
little bugs and things living in the bark. You've maybe got you know, hedgehogs or something living in the leaves, stuffed in a hole underneath. You know, you've got, you've, then, then it goes on up and you've got all, you know, a zillion different um, uh, insects and bugs and you've got mosses and stuff growing on it. Then up into the trees and, and Jesus says, you know, it grows so big that it begins to be able to support completely other, uh, other complete life forms. So the birds of the air come in, maybe the squirrels come in and make a, 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 a dray, I think they call the squirrels nest, do they? Do they call them that? They do. Yeah, I thought I got that right, wow. Uh, Mr. Greenfingers, thank you. And um, so you've got all these birds nesting there. Now, we just had this kind of imagery. When we were thinking and praying about that, we thought, yeah, God wants this thing to grow, and it'll grow big, and it really will be big, and it'll be notable, and it'll be big. And it will support ministries. I saw these birds and creatures that were living in the trees as ministries. You know, and over the years, just, you know, over the years we've supported many ministries, many of them born out of this place, supported by this place, and going on in this place still. Other ministries, we've, you know, we've sent out people to church plant. We've built an orphanage in Romania many years ago. Many, the older folk here will remember that, you know, Charlie and uh, Hazel there in the gloom, when we supported Jesus Love Romania, who was, it was birthed by somebody at this church. Suddenly, all these other things start to grow. Ministries begin to develop. And that's the time when it's right for that to happen. If you were to sort of try and, if a squirrel was trying to build a dray in that little paddle thing, it just wouldn't work. It's only when the, the living thing becomes a certain size that it can do that. Now, in the church, it's not just ministries like, you know, sort of poor ministries or, or compassion ministries or other ministries. It's actually other ministries, the five-fold ministry. What? Okay. Let's see if we can win some brownie points. Who's going to give me the first of the five-fold ministry titles? Apostle. Okay. I'm just going to say about that. There's a teaching here. The apostles were called apostles because they had seen Jesus. Their function was to give governance and oversight and church plant. Now, there are modern day apostles. They're not the same as the disciples because they didn't see Jesus in the flesh. There's only 12 of those. But they fulfill the function of apostle in that they give governance and oversight and plant churches. So that's, thank you, apostle. Another one? Teacher, yes, I haven't got time to unpack all of these, but teacher, yes, so there's, you know, the church should be producing people who understand the word and teach it, like men and women of Issachar who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. Another one? Prophets, yep. If we're not, it's not just sharing a word of knowledge with a friend during a prayer meeting, and thank God for that, because some of those have been life-changing for me. It's about, is this place becoming prophetic? Is it becoming something as, as a community that speaks and challenges and supports the community in which it exists? Do we have something to say to our, uh, our city and region through our compassion ministries? That's an obvious one. Of course. How is it that in the 21st century, in St. Albans, one of the wealthiest, and in the southeast, one of the wealthiest parts of the whole nation, we get up to 90 people coming in every week on a Monday? There's something wacky there, something's out of kilter. 
that people can't feed their families. And the overwhelming weight of, of need because people are being left behind as we get bigger and better and shinier is, is, is appalling. There's something prophetic in that. There's also something prophetic about us coming together on a Sunday morning and worshiping God. We are saying we're gonna seek God first. We're gonna seek his face and believe on him. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things that we go after will be added unto you according to our need and a little bit more. Prophets, another one, evangelists. If the church is just absorbed and taken up with its own thing, if it's always looking to sort of in, in, inward and if it's always just concerned with maintenance and keeping going and, and just keeping the lights on, if it's just concerned with that, it is already dead. Not dying, dead. Because it's only as we share that we know life. That's why Alpha is so energizing. Tracy, your passion was compelling. You know, there are people there who are serving us and serving others in order to share their faith because, and it makes you feel alive. I'm gonna be talking more about this next week, my last talk, the senior pastor here. More about this next week. Evangelists, sharing the good news of Jesus. There is a story to tell, not just something to see and experience. There's a story, a message at the heart of it that needs to be communicated. And the last one, sorry. Pastor. This was a big learning curve for Fliss and myself because when we first encountered Jesus, we just wanted to go out and get people saved. But then we started getting phone calls from people who we were leading to Christ on a Friday night. On a, they were getting, ringing us on a Saturday or a Sunday saying, I don't know what's going on. I can't stop crying. I've been crying for three weeks. You know? And we suddenly realized that these people needed to be cared for and they needed to help to understand what they were going through because they thought they were going mad, or at least their partners did. So, the, so as the mustard seed, as the kingdom, as the church, and I'm bringing this home to land now, the church, it's always supposed to have been a glimpse of heaven a foretaste, only a foretaste. It's one of like one of those little canopies. If you go somewhere posh and somebody brings a silver platter and there's something really scrummy and you think, oh, I could eat a plate of them. <laughs> and you keep trying to position yourself so when that, when that tray goes by, you can grab another one. And you go, darn, he took the last one. They're so scrummy, so delicious, you want more. We need to present the gospel and be the church that leaves people wanting more of Jesus. Amen? That's what it's about. So the birds of the air make their nests and all this, this new tree that is birthed out of Jesus' death and resurrection. And if you follow Jesus, you will have to die to self. Matthew 14 says, you will have to take up your cross to follow me. And as the church of Jesus Christ does that, new life, not just the, the manky life that we struggle through, full of routine and boredom and struggling with finances, struggling with this, struggling with past hurts, struggling, 
all of that stuff begins to get dealt with as we die to self and embrace the new life of Christ. To the degree that one day, soon, and in this church, I hope, even now, I said it, we become what the Spirit sees, not just as a mustard seed, but a tree of life. All over the world, people talk about seeing prophetic visions of fire and wind and waves. And, do you know what I see? I see that. But prophetically, I see this, this earth planted with thousands and thousands of little trees of life called the, the church of Jesus Christ. Bearing fruit, love, Joy, peace, forbearance, patience, kindness, self-control. Fruits of the Spirit, born out of the death that we've been willing to die. The perseverance that we've shown under trial. And all for this great prize, this pearl of great price, Jesus calls it. That is the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Let's have the band up. Let's stand. Let's. Thank you. Thank you. Let's just pray. Lord, I want to say publicly, uh, you know I've said this privately, uh, but Lord, I do want to ask your forgiveness for all the times I've moaned and groaned about my lot in life. When I've not been willing to die, when I've just kept clambering off the altar, because we're all called to be living sacrifices, when I kept clambering off, which has thwarted what you're trying to do in and through me. So I just want to ask your forgiveness. I ask, Lord God, that you would continue to work in us, your church, and forgive us when we've clambered off the altar and be more concerned about us than about you and each other. So Lord, forgive us and bless us and may this church become the very thing that you want it to be. Out of a mustard seed, may it become a tree of life. And everyone said, Amen. Bless you, God.